Hello, and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, well, I'm Pastor Jeremy. In case you didn't get that, I am the lead pastor here. I'm not the senior pastor. That, uh, I don't know that I could ever go by that name. Is that okay? I'm just going to stick with lead pastor for, for now. I, I decided last week that I, I was just going to embrace 40, and uh, my saying now is, I'm just getting started just getting started, so you better watch out. So, Well, I, I know uh, things are kind of out of sync this morning, but I want to take a moment to uh, thank you for your faithful giving as our ushers are going to come and receive our morning tithes and offerings. And you just saw that video from our friends Mike and Jess. Uh, they are missionaries to Honduras, and they're doing outreach all over Latin America through uh, a ministry called Elite, which is an outreach to gang members, and they're, they're really building that ministry throughout the world. It's, it's pretty awesome. They talked about the faith promises. They're on your chairs there, and we talked a little bit about them last week. But a faith promise is above and beyond your your normal giving, your tithes and your offerings to to C2 Church. When you give a faith promise, when you fill that out and say, this is what I'm going to give per month or week or a goal for the year, all that money designated to faith promises, all that goes to missionaries. We don't keep a dime of it, none of it. It all goes right to our missionaries. It helps keep our missionaries out on the field, wherever they are, Latin America, all the way around the world, our 70 different missionaries and ministry organizations. So when you make that faith promise, you fill that out with your name. You can make a new one if you've never done it before, or you can renew yours uh, from previous years. It's important simply just because we know we set our budget accordingly uh, to what is promised. And, and it's really just a promise between you and God. It's not necessarily between you and us as much as it is to God that you're going to participate in the the idea of sending missionaries from C2 all around the world. And so you can fill that out this morning and drop it in the bucket uh, as it comes around now or after service. We'll have the buckets available as well. But let's pray as we give this morning. Thanks to all who have already given online. Father, we thank you that you first gave to us and now we get to give to you. It's, it's our privilege to give in a joyful and cheerful manner. And so, Lord, take what little we give and multiply it to much that you are able to take that little and do so much with it. And so find us faithful to do our part. Bless each gift and each giver this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to watch one more video. You may have seen this last week from Nick and uh, Olivia Puccini. Hey, everybody at uh, C2 Church. This is Nick Puccini. I just wanted to send you guys a quick update. We're getting ready to start our Alpha course here tonight. I thought it would be a good way to show you kind of uh, what it's like here. This is our, our meeting space. We designed this uh, this operation center, ministry center, uh, to be multi-use. So we meet here in this space on Sundays, and you can see our screen and our small little stage here. We can get about 90 people here, uh, 90 adults in this room uh, on a Sunday during a Sunday gathering. So we meet twice. The church has been growing. I just want to just say thank you guys for praying with us, uh, for partnering with us. Everything that you do, uh, it's helping us do things like this. We've we're having the largest uh, attendance at our Alpha course. This is our ninth Alpha course, and this is our largest attendance ever. We've had uh, somewhere around 22 or 23 guests, plus our Alpha team, and um, it's just amazing. If you're not familiar with Alpha course, it's one of our tools uh, for helping people discover faith and discover who Jesus is. So um, thank you guys for praying with us. We love you. We appreciate everything you're doing. Uh, thank you for um, for partnering with us financially. Because you guys do that, we're able to be here in Tallinn, Estonia, what many consider 
uh, one of the least religious countries in the world. At least the Estonian people are, are they consider themselves the least religious people group in the world. Um, but thank you for sending us here, our family. We absolutely love it. This is such an amazing country, an amazing place. Uh, so just a few prayer requests. Pray for us. Uh, our landlord sold our apartment, but thank God he's moving us to another apartment. He's paying a moving company to move all of our stuff over. But pray for us in the next few days uh, we're moving. Uh, also pray as we begin a project to train church planning teams in the context of a healthy growing church. That starts in the fall, and we're going to be uh, advertising that opportunity for people to come, learn how to plant the church, uh, learn children's ministry, learn worship, learn the arts, and form church planning teams. So pray for us as we launch that soon, and uh, you'll, you'll be helping us. Uh, realize our dream to rewrite the spiritual destiny of Estonia. God bless you guys. We love you. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you, you love hearing from our missionaries just as much as I do, and so that's just an update from them. Glad you're with us this week as we close out our series called Pack Your Bags. We've uh, been in this week, uh, series. This will be our third week and final week. You can get the rest of the, the uh, series online, the podcasts and I think some of them are on Facebook, and so you can get those as well. We, talk, we started with talking about the mission of God, or the message of God, rather, the gospel, the gospel message. What is it, and who is it for? And we talked about that the gospel really is the message of the good news, that Jesus came to save us from our sins, something we could not do for ourselves. He suffered. He died in our place. He paid our sin debt, and then rose again to give us new life, new life that starts here and now, as well as extends into eternity. And then last week, uh, Pastor Karras talked about the mission of God, how to take the message and, and the mission to those around you. And didn't she do a great job? She did an awesome job last week. And I kind of know that you're behind some of this birthday stuff, so um, thanks for that. We'll talk about your employment later. But she brought a great word about the mission of God. And, and one of the things that struck me as we talked about, we've talked about packing our bags with the gospel, that, that we have a checklist to take the, the, the gospel message to all those who would hear how we have packed our bags for this mission. And now it's time to get on the plane. It's time to go. And one of the things that motivated me last week, as Karis was sharing, she said some, something to this effect. She simply said, there is no time. There is no time. And it struck me how often I have considered time uh, as just something that will always be there. And now that I've hit 40, I realize how much closer to death I really am. Right? So I joke about that, but it struck me last week that I take time for granted. Uh, Maybe you do this too. But when I was 18, when I was 20, it was just like, well, you know, someday, someday. And... I have time. I have time. But when she said it last week, I realized that I had lost the perspective of time, the correct and biblical perspective of time. One of the things that I began to think about as she, she talked about it was that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Maybe you haven't gotten to that part of the scripture, but Jesus promises to come back. He will set foot on this earth once again. He will set everything right. He will bring peace and justice, finally and with finality. He will demonstrate his rulership, his reign on this earth as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace. He will reign on this earth. That will be the new reality. 
So he's coming back. We're running out of time. So now is the time. And that was the motivation that I got from Karis last week. And Jesus was pretty clear. When he invited people to follow him, as she said, it wasn't a bait and switch. He didn't promise one thing and deliver another thing. He's pretty clear. In fact, at times, I love what Karis pointed out, that Jesus was almost discouraging people, saying, are you sure you want in? Because this is what it's going to cost you. This is what it's going to look like. There's no turning back. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about this morning is the movement of the gospel. We talked about the message and the mission, and this morning about the movement. It's time to get on the plane. It's time to board and get on. The bags are packed. You got the passport. You got the ticket. Now it's time to move. There is a calling on each one of your lives. And I think the question for us is, do, I, do we have time? Do I have time? Now that I'm 40, how much time do I have left? I don't know, but I feel like I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. I love my church. I love what God has done in the last three years as Darcy and I have had the privilege of serving as lead pastors. But I don't think he's done with C2 yet. I don't think we've arrived. I, I certainly don't think I've arrived. I don't plan on kicking back in my lazy boy until it's time for retirement. Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians, where we're going to land this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you've got your scriptures, you can open up, uh, open them up or turn it on your device or it'll be on the screen. The Apostle Paul, who, who writes a lot of the New Testament after the Gospels, he, he's defending his work, his ministry amongst the, the Corinthians in the Corinth church. He's defending his work against the false teachers who've come in. He, he's defending against those who'd want to take the credit for his work. And so he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 13, he says this. We, however, he's talking about he and his co-workers, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. We are not going too far in our boasting, as would be the case if we had not come to you, for we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. In our few minutes this morning, I want to talk about the purpose, the power, and the possibilities of the gospel message. Paul, as he begins to talk and defend himself, he talks about the purpose, the mission, or what we'll call your calling. All those words, your calling. Here, here's what I know about the calling I have on my life. I'm accountable for what I have been called to. You are accountable to what you have been called by God to do. Paul talks about his sphere of influence, his, his sphere of service that God himself has assigned to him. Each one of us have a, a sphere of service that God has called us to. There is an assignment that you have. This is your calling. I want you to know this morning that you are called, that I am called. When I was 14, I can remember at a, at a Bible camp, uh, I, a lot of us would come up at the end of the, the message, the, the preacher would have some sort of response, and we'd get out of our comfortable spot, the safety of the chair that we were sitting in, right? with all of our friends, and the preacher would call us to respond, to move out of that, that area of comfort, 
to what we refer to as the altar. Right, the altar, you ever heard that term? It, it, in the Old Testament, is a place where they came and brought sacrifices. Mm-hmm, yeah. And you would come and you would, you would kneel at the altar, you would pray, and you would, co- you would connect and communicate with God. Well, in, in one particular moment, when I was 14 years old, I remember clearly the vivid vision I had of being called into full-time vocational ministry. That I would be, someday I'd be a full-time pastor. That would be my job. And I can, rem- I can remember it as vividly now, even with a 40-year-old memory, as I did that day, as I experienced it. But my calling is different than yours. But I will be held accountable when Christ comes back or I enter into eternity. I will be held accountable for the mission of my life, the calling of my life. I will be held accountable to that. And you will be too. And your calling is part of the greater mission of God. When we talk about the mission of God, now we talk about missions work. Missions work, it usually refers to missionaries, people who leave one place to go to another place, usually cross-culturally or a foreign country, something like that. And the church collectively, we are on mission to do the work of Christ, to take the gospel message, right? But then you have a specific mission, your calling that you are supposed to do. You're not called to do what somebody else is doing. You might admire them, but is it your calling? This is the mission. And Paul talks about a sphere of service that he has been assigned, he has been called to. I like what Christopher Wright says in this quote. He says, It is not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for the mission, God's mission. So when we're talking about the mission of the church collectively and your individual mission, it's all pointing to God's mission, his work here on earth, and we get to be part of that. We often refer to it as the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus is talking to his disciples prior to his leaving the earth, and he says, all power and authority has been given to me. And he says, because of that, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This is the, the mission, the great commission, to go out into all the world, preaching the gospel and making disciples, other followers of Christ. It's important to recognize that, that your calling, your mission fits into that greater context of the mission. And so when we say the gospel, remember we started two weeks ago, three weeks ago, with the gospel is go. It's about taking the gospel mission someplace else. The gospel is Go, the first two letters of gospel are G-O. Is it a coincidence? Probably, but it, it makes for good preaching. But the gospel is go. It's meant to move. That is the part of the mission. We are not restricted by borders. Church, we get caught up in so many of the hot button topics about who's coming into our country and who's allowed. We are not restricted by any means to whom we can take the gospel to. No border can keep us out. We are to carry the message of the gospel. Remember, the message of the gospel's kingdom, kingdom of the gospel is that Jesus came to do what we could not do, to save us from our sin, from ourselves, so that we could step back into relationship with our creator who created us to worship him. I love what John Piper says. He says, 
Missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions exist, the the idea of sending people out to the corners of the world exists because worship doesn't. Where Jesus' name has not been preached, people do not worship him, and therefore we need to send missionaries there so that they can hear about hope in Jesus Christ. It's not Americanizing them. It's not colonizing them. It's preaching the gospel and evangelizing them to give them hope, to bring them the salvation message. We don't go because there's poverty. We don't go because there's a building project that we need to accomplish and build a school or a a church. We don't go because they need clean water. Those are all good things, and those are all representative of God's love and compassion for this world and a great demonstration of the gospel. But if we do not take them the gospel, can I ask you, what's the point? If you cannot meet the greatest need that a human has in in their spiritual life, their need for a, a Savior, what are you bringing them? Missions exist because worship doesn't. In the church, we are called. Everybody say, I am called. Believe that this morning. Say it again. I am called. And we are called. Say that. We are called. We are called collectively. You know, the church, I know, has done more humanitarian work across the world throughout the ages than any other organization on the face of the planet. That's true. And that's great because the motivation was love, compassion, bringing the gospel. We were once known for the hospitals we built, right? The church has built more hospitals than any other organization in the world. And now, think about what we're known for now, at least in the Western Hemisphere. We're known for our politics, our stance, our viewpoint. Right? Am I I right? We're... We're known for our buildings. You drive down the road, oh, there's a church. We're known for our buildings. But people who built hospitals and built churches all those years ago hopefully weren't trying to simply build monuments. But isn't that somewhat what we, are, we tend to do as churches? We build these monuments. We build these great edifices to a moment that we had, and we forget about the mission. You know, the church was meant to be mobile, right? The building is not mobile. It's not. This building is not mobile. Most churches that are built are not mobile. That's why the church is people, not buildings. People are mobile. We live in a mobile age. You see, when when the gospel was given and the church became part of the mission of what God was doing, The church was meant to be mobile before mobile was even cool. And we, the church, are mobile. Think about it. You could get on an airplane today and go anywhere you want. You can hop in your car. You can go anywhere you want. Now, more than ever, the gospel can go to to the ends of the earth. Right now, or at least first service. We were streaming first service. Are we streaming right now? We are streaming. Okay, I'll watch my language then. (laughs) But right now, I'm talking to somebody on Facebook Live who's hearing the message of the gospel, and I don't know who they are. But we could stream it around the world. We are streaming around the world. That's pretty awesome. We're streaming it around the world with a message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There might be people right now who accidentally clicked on this 
and are now, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Think about it. The gospel is meant to be mobile, and yet the church builds itself into being not mobile because we get comfortable. And, well, we're humans, and we don't really like change, and so we, we like what we like, and this is good for us. And that's not too unlike the first church in Acts when Jesus says, go into all the world, and then persecution has to come before they even leave the city of Jerusalem. But when Christ gave the Great Commission, he said, you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There was a progression of the mobileness of the gospel of Jesus. It would go from Jerusalem, their home base, to Judea, which was the surrounding countryside, to Samaria, which was cross-cultural because they hated the Samaritans. They would go even to the people they didn't like, and then they'd go to the ends of the earth. The gospel was supposed to be mobile. There was supposed to be movement that this, there was ascending and going of God's people with his message. That's why our vision is to see, two, see, to see C2 as a contagious movement of passionate followers of Christ. Have you heard this before? This is our vision statement. A contagious movement of passionate followers of Christ who live out the great commission and the great commandment within arm's reach of every heart and home here in mid-Missouri and around the world. And I feel like, Our mission, church, is to build a life-giving church. Strike that. Let me say it differently. I feel like our mission is to build life-giving churches that lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ all around mid-Missouri. That's the movement of the gospel. You are accountable. You are accountable to what God has called you to do, whatever that looks like individually, and then collectively as his church. But hear this, the second thing. God has already given you the power because of your calling. Not only will you be held accountable to your calling, but you are empowered by that very same calling. Listen to what Paul is saying. When he says, I'm not boasting on something I shouldn't be boasting in. I'm boasting that God has called me to something. And I will be held accountable to that. But in that, he's saying, I have been empowered by God. This boast wasn't about his own power. Hey, look what I did. Look what I built. But he's saying, look what God did through me. He's not trying to garner credit. He's, he is defending those who would try to take credit from him through what God has called him to do. But you're accountable to your calling and you're empowered by it. God is not going to call you to something he won't empower you to do. Do you hear me this morning, church? Some of you have shrunk back from the very thing God has called you to do because it scares you, because it's too big. That's kind of the point, though. It needs to be bigger than you. It should probably scare you because if you can do it in your own power, you don't need Jesus. Mm, I thought that was good preaching. Paul wasn't measuring himself against others. In fact, he's saying, I'm not going to measure against what others are called to do. I'm measuring myself on what I'm called to do, and I'm boasting about what God has empowered me to do. This was his boast, the power of God in him to accomplish all that he had accomplished already. You think about the history of C2 Church. We started in the Tiger Hotel downtown in 1969. 1970, we were on West Boulevard. In 1976, they bought property at 3300 South Providence Road. That's this address. There was nothing around here, really. 
I've looked at the, the old maps, and it was fields and, and some dirt roads. And, and uh, Pastor Denbo pastored at this church for 24 years. He was actually with us first service. And I think about the legacy of great men and women, some of you still sitting in this room today, who we stand on your shoulders, that this church in 1976, when nothing was around here, had the spiritual insight and vision to go where no other church was located. Do we have anybody in this room who was here in 1976? All right. What faith it took to move out of comfort and safety where there was a population. I can only imagine that people in town, let me see that church, Christian chapel, moving on the outskirts of town, right? And limited vision at that point would have been like, Columbia's never going to grow that big, (laughs) right? It's the normalcy bias, right? Everything will always stay the same. But they did, and in 77, they built the building. You see, that's spiritual vision. Understanding that God empowered this church to do what it has done. Do you know the power of God is already at your fingertips? Listen to what Paul says. He, he talks about, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. The power for salvation. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says to his disciples before he leaves, he says, go and wait in Jerusalem and you will receive power to be my witnesses. You, you will receive power to take the gospel message where I have called you to go. This power is already available to you and to me. You are accountable for your calling, but you are also empowered by that same calling. And here's the final thing I see in Paul's message to the church in Corinth. I see the possibilities. I see the possibilities. It's interesting that he predicates the possibilities on the church's response. He says this, our hope is that as your faith grows, our sphere of influence will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel to regions beyond. It's all predicated on mature faith. The greatest measure of a church's faith is, is, are they going outside of the walls? It's not about all the ministry that happens within side of the walls of the church, but what are you doing to reach those outside of your walls? That's the measure of the maturity of a church. And Paul recognizes, and he said, the possibilities are there as you continue to grow in your faith, as you move from babies in your faith to mature faith. It's about moving beyond your walls. And Paul saw this, that as the Corinth church's faith increased, he knew his apostolic efficiency would also increase so that Corinth would become the basis for a larger effort expanding to the region around it. Can can you envision that with me, church? Can you envision that with me? Say, I'm called. Remind yourself again. Say it again. Say, I'm empowered. Believe it. Say, I'm empowered. All right, it's almost like Tony Robbins here. And I just want you, to, I want you to feel, I want you to hear your own self saying it. But say, I am ready. Let's see, that's the scary part right there. You're throwing it before God. I, I'm ready, God. And that's the key. Are you ready? You know, all are called to God's mission. If you're a follower of Christ, you are called to God's mission in some way. 
You ever wonder what God's will is? Have you ever asked that question? I wonder what God's will is. Second Peter chapter 3 says it this way. God's will is that none would perish apart from him, but that all would come to repentance. That's God's will. That's his mission. Summed up really neat. That's what we want to participate in. It's not how, or it's not whether, but it's how God wants you to participate in his mission. You realize it's only a possibility if you participate. Did you hear me? It's only a a possibility if you participate. If you don't participate, you're disqualified. There is no possibility. That's why Paul says, as your faith grows, the possibilities are there if your faith grows. If you take a step of faith beyond yourself, I am ready. That's why Paul, when he writes to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 6, he talks about spiritual armor. He's talking about spiritual warfare. But it's interesting that as he gives this word picture, and he's using uh, armor, personal armor that you would wear in that, that time period, he gets to the feet, and he says, and have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Listen to that. Have your feet fitted with the shoes that can run with the gospel of peace. Be ready to go. Don't have your high heels on. Don't have your dress shoes on, but have your running shoes on. To run to those who are without hope, who need to hear about salvation in Jesus Christ. Notice he didn't say, get yourself a chair. He said, shoes. Chairs don't move. They're not mobile. It does not say, and have your butt fitted with the comfort and safety of a church chair. We need need wooden pews. Bring back the wooden pews. Come on. We don't want you getting comfortable. Because church wasn't meant for you to come and sit. It was for you to come and go. To go out into all the world. Even your little part of the world. Your sphere of service on assignment from God. And if each one of us does that collectively, we begin the movement of the mission of God here in Columbia and all around mid-Missouri. I like to use the word multiply. Because church wasn't about surrounding me with a bunch of people as the pastor. That's not what the church is meant to be. You're not supposed to be the audience that gathers to hear me on Sunday. I heard one preacher say, the church was meant to be a carrier, not a battleship carrier has airplanes that get launched from it. Okay, you got it. But not a battleship. I believe that. We should be a sending factory, a leadership factory. That's why we have things like the school of ministry. Because the harvest of souls will not bring itself in. There is a mission for you. Let me end with four truths about our church. We are a sending church. We are a sending church. We send missionaries from this church, our very own. We send them to El Salvador. We send other missionaries all around the world. We are a sending church. We send you each week, every Sunday, we send you back to your work. We send you back to your school. We send you back to your dorm. We send you back to your neighborhood. We send you every week. Maybe you didn't know that. We are a sending church. We are a going church. When you say yes, then you go. 
you go. We are a going church. It's still, there's still time for you to jump in on the El Salvador trip because I think it will change your life. Call the office this week, email us. We need more of you to go to El Salvador this summer. We are a going church. I love sitting with people recently. One, one lady I had lunch with this week, uh, or this past week, she said, uh, Pastor, I feel like God is calling me to a ministry, a specific ministry within, uh, within fighting human trafficking. I love hearing what God is doing in our people, that he's empowering them to do things that they're passionate about. So he said, do it. Let's go. Make it happen. Another family came to us and said, we feel like God's calling us to minister to single moms in a very specific way. I said, bless you. Go do it. We send you to do it. What is God calling you to do? We're not about centralizing everything here at C2. We're about decentralizing. That's what the mission of the church should be about is decentralizing so the gospel goes forth like the early church. We are a sending church. We are a going church. And because of those two things, we also are a praying church and a giving church. You can't do the sending and the going if there's no praying and giving. So we pray. We pray for our pastors. We pray for our, our servant leaders, the volunteers that make ministries happen within the church on the weekends and throughout the week. We pray for our missionaries. We're a praying church. We pray for our, our city. We pray for mid-Missouri. We pray for lost souls. And we're a giving church. Many of you are faithful in giving your tithe, 10% of your income, to make sure that the ministry of, uh, of the kingdom happens right here in Columbia. We couldn't do it without you. And many of you have taken the step of faith promises. I'm going to revisit that again because some of you are like, well, I'm not really sure. I only can give $5 or $10 or $50. Your little bit added up with everybody else's little bit adds up to much, and every missionary then benefits because of your sacrifice. I know you're thinking, well, I don't know. It's going to make things tight. I know. We write the same checks every month. And God continues to provide. It's amazing when you give to God how much more you seem to have. Would you do that this morning? Grab that form. Make that promise. Let us know that you are going to participate in the possibilities of extending our reach. We are a praying church and we are a giving church. And we are getting ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? You know, Easter is coming. I keep reminding you of this, but I want to put this in your hearts. We're getting ready for Easter. It is still the biggest day that people will come to church. If you invite them, they are more likely to come on Easter. I don't get it. It's still true. If you don't have a place to serve yet, in the next six weeks, find a place to serve. Call our office. Talk to Pastor Karis. She will get you plugged in. If you're serving, or you say, well, that's not my week to serve, this time it is. Easter is all hands on deck. We need your seat, too. We will need your seat. We need you to serve so somebody who needs to hear the message of the gospel can take your seat. Oh, but pastor, this is my seat. I know. When you don't sit in your seat, I can't take attendance. Because you sit in the same seat every week. Okay, moving on. Find a place to serve. Easter is coming, and it's going to be big. And people are going to hear the message of, of Christ. Our series, Mike Drop, starting next week, is going to lead us into Easter. So start inviting people now. I want to close with this question. Where do you need to move to? 
What's the next movement you need to make? Do you need to move outside of your own Christian circle comfort zone? What does that look like? Ask yourself this. If I was to throw a party, who would show up? Is it all, all my Christian friends and that's all I got? You need some new friends. Apparently I do too. Are you moving to those who have yet to hear the gospel? And if you have non-Christian friends and you say this to me, well, pastor, I believe in relational evangelism. Great. I love that you love hanging out with non-Christian people, but if you never tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not evangelism. It's not very loving either. Some of you, God is calling to be a missionary. He's literally calling you to pack your bags and go someplace for a season of life or maybe long-term. He's literally calling you to go someplace overseas. Some of you, he's calling to give. All of us can give, but some particularly, he's calling for you. Some of you, God is calling to plant new churches with us. That time is not far off. I've been dreaming about it for years. It's scary to even talk about it. But I see it. Pastor LT, I see it. I see it. I see what God started all those years ago here at Christian Chapel. God is going to do greater things. Do you believe it with me this morning? Are you ready? Six of you are ready. You better get ready. Would you stand with me this morning? Can you imagine if we were not the typical Western American church that just settles itself on a Sunday morning and we feel good about we did our thing and then we went out of this place unchanged and worse yet, our city was unchanged because of us? If we're not changing the city that we're in, we shouldn't be here. My vision all those years ago was not to get up on a Sunday morning to preach to a crowd of largely bored adults. I know you're not largely bored or large at all. My burden was literally, this is, I don't share this often, but this is the exact vision I had. That God was using me to build up an army that would go out from that place. It was, it was more vivid. But I see it today happening as each one of you takes on what God has called you to do and you to do, empowered by that calling. And you're ready now for that calling. We release you. We send you. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And I pray bigger dreams, bigger vision, not for our own, our own sake or our, our own good, but for your kingdom. Would you give us spiritual eyes to see what you are doing? And would you get us ready? You have promised your power because of the calling that you have on our life. And so today, Father, would you cause that which people have shrank back from out of fear and out of comfort, would you cause it to rise up? Lord, I thank you for every saint over the years who has prayed, who has invested their life and their resources into what we now call C2 Church. We thank you. But would you find us faithful not to let that seed die, but to water it and cause it to grow by the power of your Holy Spirit? Would you take us from this place? Send us out, Lord. Send us out to this city, to all of mid-Missouri and around this world. Would you ferment in the hearts of those who hear this morning? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And his church together said, Amen.
Amen. I love you. Thank you for all of the birthday wishes and your kind comments and not calling me old. I really appreciate that. We love you guys. See you tonight at Next Classes. Have a great week. Hey, we're so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information, please email us at nextsteps at c2church.com or visit us at c2church.com.